1: you're listening to making life brighter on the health and wellness channel where we provide you with the latest information in healing consciousness training and all cutting-edge healing modalities featuring experts in their fields including authors musicians and artists making life brighter will be a forum for healing inspiring and uplifting entertainment here is your host winifred adams
2: You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and my name is Winifred Adams, and I'm here today with Denny Tedesco of The Wrecking Crew film. And he is the creator and the director of this amazing music documentary, which features not only his father, but a crew of musicians that were known as The Wrecking Crew in the 1960s and into, well, actually even into today to some degree. And so they were a special crew of people, and welcome Denny. Thank you. We have just... I've been promising you entertainment all summer long, and this is one of the most special shows about music entertainment in our history in America.
3: Wow, that's pretty heavy. And, no, yeah. it's
2: true. It's You know, this, this film just blew me away. It was so, so moving to me. Thank you. And I wasn't even alive when this happened. I right. wasn't here yet, but this is filling in a piece of history for me, and I know for many people out there, it's going to relate to them, yeah. because not only did they live it, But people, young people are interested in what happened in music history. And this is music history.
3: Did you know what you were going to see before you saw the film? I mean, did you have any idea? Yeah,
2: I had an idea, but I didn't. I mean, it really filled a gap for me because I took music history. I understood certain things, but you made it come alive. It's real. It's personal. It's something that you can touch and feel. And, you know, this is your life, your family especially. What was it like to dive in and make this about your own dad?
3: Well, um, maybe I we should say, tell him what the film, was Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking
2: Crew which, is, yeah.
3: Which was the group of studio musicians in the 60s. It's a nickname, really, just a nickname. A group of studio musicians in the 60s and 70s. And they, the nickname came from the older guys saying they're going to write the business, play rock and roll. And that comes from Hal Blaine's book, and Hal Blaine, who was one of the greatest drummers of all time, and the reason the older guys said they're going to ruin the business because a lot of the guys that were breaking in in the early 60s, they were doing recording dates that were maybe non union. They, you know, they were so simple. The older guys didn't want to deal with it. You know, they were you know, low budget and stuff. Well, because record companies at the time needed session players because they didn't trust the bands to play the music. So they hired these, who, these now, guys. Why
2: do you think that was? Why do you think they didn't trust the bands to play the music? Because they, they were still young. Uh-huh. A
3: lot of these bands were really young, and yeah, they could play. You could play live, but there's a difference between playing live and recording it. There's a sensitivity involved, and especially in those days, because in those days you only have one track, right? So you could have ten people in a room, and a band of five, six. You have to nail it because playing live playing, and playing live, playing live, basically playing right. together. And having a certain tone and a certain recordability.
2: No digital pro tools here. No,
3: no, (laughs) no, no, no. You know, it was funny because one of the guys who was a session player, Glenn Campbell, obviously, and he said, I was playing with Michael Jordan. And I love this line because he says, I was playing with Michael Jordan, but everybody in the room was Michael Jordan. You couldn't make a mistake. You had three hours is what a session was. Legally, they call it a three-hour session. And you had three or four songs you could do in that session he said, but you can't slow it up mm-hmm. you can't if you if you're gonna do one two three takes but if you can't nail the apart you're blowing it for everybody in that room you're not just blowing it for you're gonna blow it for yourself because they're not going to ask you back right you know because you got to, guess what at one o'clock in the afternoon you got another session coming up mm-hmm. so you and that's bo-
2: amazing you actually showcased that in the movie how they went from <laughs> You know, morning session to the afternoon session to the evening yeah. session to the late, late session in the Beach Boys, for example, yeah. and and Brian Wilson. Exa- yeah.
3: And then what happened is in those early days is sort of what happens. You could see in the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, billboard in the what? Do you, uh, top, 40. top 40. Top mm-hmm. 40. Thank you. You know, you could see it in in the top 40. So you could see it in the charts. In uh, the early 60s, all the music was really in New York, meaning pop, rock and roll. Rock and roll was still in its infancy. It was coming out of London, Detroit, uh, New York, Nashville. So what happens is you slowly see the West Coast start building on this. So the guys here are starting to do their Jan and Dean. They are the Wallace Sound with Phil Spector, uh, the Mamas and Papas, Fit Dimension, um, Nancy Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Rivers. Anything that was done in L.A. most likely had these session musicians on it. And it just kind of grew. And then all of a sudden it was like by 67, almost... 80% 80% of the charts are all west coast based.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it was just a s- slow build and then it just turned.
2: And some of the the studios that they kind of made famous with this particular wrecking crew were the Western Studio and Gold Star Echo Chambers, is that right?
3: Uh, well Gold Star Gold Star was a, a it was the it was Echo Chamber was the Technique that they had. It was very famous for their echo chamber. Gold Star was Dave Gold and uh, Stan Ross was the partner, and they, it was at Santa Monica Vine. And if anybody knows where Santa Monica Vine is now, it's just a mini mall now. It's it's really sad. Kind it of
2: tragic in a way.
3: Well, yeah. it is, and it's kind of like LA, you know. And I, I listen. I it's my home.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. kind
3: of my home. This is my hometown, but this is kind of what, kind of what the projects about in a weird way when i think about it now you have your time and you move on Mm -hmm. and that's how life is especially in in the arts or or the business of entertainment in a lot of ways that's what it was like then you know hey this studio's moving on it's no longer a studio we'll just tear it down um times change
2: when did you actually begin this film
3: uh, 1996, my father, Tommy Tedesco, mm-hmm. who was one of these... Gu- he was a guitar player. He was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I said this recently. I said, if they had given him terminal cancer diagnosis, would I have done it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, get to it. But there was something about that terminal, which is really, for some of us who have gone through cancer personally, and our family members, terminal is pretty terminal you know yeah. when they say terminal they mean it because there's always hope usually when, right. we're, when we have cancer and I'm a two-timer I can say personally two-time survivor yeah so when you hear that word it was like okay so I better jump on this and I wanted uh, to tell the story of my father but also it was really about the rest of the group as a group and we started telling that story in 96 put a roundtable discussion together which you saw. Was, which was uh,
2: fantastic, by uh, the way. Thank
3: you. You know, I realized, again, things realized. I was influenced by um, that movie, uh, well, Broadway Danny Rose is one of them, where Woody Allen is, they're all talking about Woody Allen as Broadway Danny Rose. And it's a bunch of agents sitting around just da, 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 And that's what they do. Yeah. And I realized I never saw my father play, you know, at work. I, I never went to work with him. Right. You know, but what I did see musicians hanging out
2: talking—that's
3: mm-hmm. what I knew. So it would kind of fit perfectly for me to put them at a round table in a studio, just let them talk. Absolutely. So that was 1996. It was Hal Blaine on drums, Carol Kay, the only woman in the group, on bass, Plas Johnson on sax, and my father. And basically, we had two cameras going. We started filming them, and that was it. Just I was a voyeur. I wasn't an interviewer. In a sense, that's what I wanted it to be, and I would just let it. I mean, they just go off.
2: They just relived those memories, those days, and what I thought was so special about your take in this movie and, and bringing it to life and hitting home is that they got really personal about their reflection.
3: That that's really interesting, and I was saying this the other day. Um, at a certain point in your careers. Um, in age, I think we all become reflective, and I think we're very honest. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked him maybe 20 years before, they might not have been as honest. Right. Because you're still in the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, you, and might you know have one, to
2: play the game. And- you're still playing the game. Yeah.
3: Um, and then also, I think they were open to me because I'm asking them questions that no one's going to ask them.
2: Right.
3: You know, there's that right. one question with Hal Blaine when I go off and do my own single interview with Hal... Hal had a tough I mean Hal was the most recorded drummer in rock and roll I mean he was the god and then his life fell apart in a sense but it was personal you know he, he had a bad marriage
2: tragic really tragic
3: you know and yeah, lost it lost everything, everything and you know then he became a security guard you know and and it, but the reason I went to with to interview Hal by myself is I knew that tragic part of the story My father, I remember my father being very bothered by the fact that when he went to Arizona one time to do a gig, Hal was there, you know, his friend. He went to go visit his friend who's a security guard for a moment. It's like, wow. And my father was extremely upset about it. So when I went to go interview Hal, I went by myself. That's why it's the weakest part visually for me, because I didn't have a real cameraman.
2: I didn't find that Skip in it at all Oh good I didn't even feel that I, I was so Mesmerized by the fact That this man Was at the top of his game And then yeah. Sort of lost it all And it's implied On account of The divorce On account of The You know She well, took it off Yeah And you know to.
3: And a lot of times You know It's funny because You know Hal will be honest He said listen I have no I have no uh, My only regrets In life Are personal regrets Not my professional um, We were talking about Hal Blaine, you know, when I went to go interview him, you know, I remember him, you know, saying, I have no regrets in life. It's uh, professionally, you know, it's his personal life that, you know, he felt like, you know, he made mistakes, you know, six wives, yeah. you know. Um But, you know, that's part of life. I mean, we all, you know, the hardest part about... um I remember the two favorite lines in the movie for me, and one of them was when I asked Bones Howe, the engineer and the producer, I said, what's it like when you're at the top of the game? You, are the, you, know, you guys are the A team, you're you know, producing amazing albums, you're working in the best of the best, and you're not anymore. And he said, well, it's like you're an athlete. You get your ramp up, you're at the top, and then you get the ramp down. He says it's not about staying at the top, it's taking that ramp down as long as possible. And I think we're all like that.
2: Um we are. As a matter of fact, we're going to come back with more about the Wrecking Crew film and Denny Tedesco right here on Making Life Brighter. And you can find us at MakingLifeBrighter.com and on the radio tab on the player, the archive of this show. You can also go and check out on iTunes in the music documentary section, The Wrecking Crew. And we'll be right back with more of Denny Tedesco right here on Making Life Brighter Radio.
0: us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
4: making life brighter your health and healing resource with 20 years of successful healing medical intuitive winifred adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being including a celebrity clientele An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard to solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, Medical Intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer will you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to
4: Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health & Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams.
2: And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and today I have special guest Denny Tedesco, and he is here talking about his film, The Wrecking Crew, and you can see it on iTunes worldwide, and you can buy it and rent it, download it. You can go to TheWreckingCrewFilm.com. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you have to check out this movie. This is a piece of our history. This is important for young and old to not only connect with, but educate ourselves, and that's what we're doing here today. And we were just talking about sort of... Of the idea of being at the top of your game and then the fall from grace, to in some cases and in other cases how people graduate into a different life after that kind of success.
3: Yeah, I you know. It's funny because um, my dad had a great uh, philosophy. He always felt like he was an athlete. You know, in a sense, that you're in the minors, then you're in the majors, and then you know you got to move on. You know, for him, you know, it was. He made a great transition because he went from records in the 60s where he was the king, in a sense, that he was doing so well, and then he went into TV and film. And that lasted a long time, all the way up into the you know late 80s, early 90s. But as Bones Howe said, it's not about staying at the top, it's about taking the ramp down as long as possible. And I realized that's being relevant. And you don't have to be at anything. Type of, wherever you are in your game, you all want to be, we all want to be relevant. Right. I don't care what age you are. You, well, know. you want
2: to be appreciated still and you want, you, yeah. you want to feel like you belong. Yeah. Like you have a purpose. And it doesn't
3: matter what your profession is. You don't even have, you could be a mother, you could yeah. be a father, you could just want to be that way. Um, my dad had a, you know, he was, he, he made it. When he had this stroke in 92, 1992, I think he had this stroke. And I always remember the a few months before he passed. You know, he died of cancer, but I remember him saying the stroke came at the right time mm-hmm. and in his life because he wasn't working as much. Right. Now he had a good excuse. Well, I'm not working because I had a stroke. I can't work. You know, that mentally helped him not being called. Mm-hmm. You know, um... And I think one of the hardest things for me and my brother was he was 62 playing better than he ever played, but, you know, he wasn't being called because, you know, he was called for when they needed Tommy, which was great. You know, you want to be called for that, but it was like, okay, you know what? It's a hard part of reading. Let's call Tommy Tedesco. It's Spanish guitar. You know, it's for the Godfather, for Mandolin or, or Schindler's List, whatever it is, which is awesome. But you also want to be still, you know, relevant to other things.
2: How did your father deal with the accolades that he received and any awards that he got? Because we don't really see that portion of things.
3: Um, I, he was what? very proud. He's very proud of the thing. His life. He's very proud of all of it because, you know, he wasn't supposed to be a musician, and he was, you know, yeah, in the film. That's a
2: great story. <laughs> yeah, in the
3: film, he was. Uh, Their mom and dad were from Niagara Falls, New York, you know, and if any, you know, not to batter that area any more than they need to be battered, but it's not—it's a rough area. It's cold, (laughs) and there's nothing there in Niagara Falls, New York, at the time, 1953, you know. And they went to a dance in Niagara University, and there was an audition for a guitar player that happened to be an audition opened up. The guitar player was leaving in their big band that night, so someone said, hey, my friend plays, and all of a sudden my dad's you know, auditioning that night after the dance, and he's on the road the next day. He goes to L.A., sees what's going on here, goes, and they go around the country, this big band, and they get to Dallas, and they basically fire him and uh, the, the singer, because they found someone they could do both, downsized. But my father's pride was so, you know, Hurt and, but also big. He didn't want to go back to Niagara Falls, and I said to my mom, "How long was it before you guys moved from Niagara Falls to LA?" I said, "Was it a year, year and a half." She goes, "No, it was three weeks." Oh. And it was like we sold our we sold our uh, wedding furniture, which we still owed on. Wow! To get cross country, and so that's and a then, dream.
2: That's the American dream.
3: Yeah, but I think also he was running away. You know, That's
2: an interesting perspective. Because
3: yeah. he didn't want to deal with you know failure, mm-hmm. and but he also saw hey there's people making a living out in you know L.A. And so then I asked my mom. I just then she says to me, she goes, "That dance that we went to, he didn't want to go because he had gotten a job in Pennsylvania with his trio, his jazz trio." Because I asked her, I said. Was dad working a lot as a musician? She goes, no, once or twice a month. Because there's no work for a musician in the area. She goes, he didn't want to go to that dance because he actually got a gig in Pennsylvania. And I argued with him, you have to go because I spent $35 on this dress. <laughs> you know? So I love it. You think, all right, what about a $35 dress? That changed life. Yes. It was all being at the right place at the right time. It wasn't like an actor. You're an actor, you go, okay, well, you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to New York, or you're supposed to go to L.A. As a musician, in 1953, you don't know what you're to do. You know, you could teach, yeah. but it's not something and you it's do. it's after
2: the war, and the whole, the whole exactly. terrain is different, and all this stuff is coming out that's new. And he must have been so happy when he received uh, recognition from back east. Once yeah, try, it was funny, there's
3: a really in, interesting point you say, because he was um, a street guy, you know, he learned, you know, well, for he, anybody knows Niagara Falls, he was a Pine Avenue guy, which was the main drag there, you know, he learned common sense there, you know, his it Italian upbringing.
2: Um, with a good sense of humor. Good sense of humor. That's <laughs> uh, showcased in the movie. Yeah, I think was self-deprecating humor. Very
3: deprecating. <laughs> hated a real job. Yeah, you know, like many of us, he hated a real job. I saw, her, you know, he was. I remember reading in his book where he was twelve years old, got a job in a bakery, and because his mother had a friend or whatever, and he hated it, and he found out that you're not supposed to work. At that age, so he he called he called the business. What do you call it? Uh, child services, or said, "Hey, there's a kid that's working at this bakery." <laughs> he turned he himself turned in. in. <laughs> he turned himself in, and they and they busted the well, busted say, "Hey, you got a kid working. You can't work here." And they apologized to my father. He said, "Oh, we're so sorry that you can't work." <laughs> he was
2: brilliant. so happy. Now, I, have get, a, I have a question about your mom and dad, and. The movie spurred all these other thoughts I have about, you know, what yeah. really happened in that time and, and what it was like. But What was it like for your mom and dad after you guys left the nest? And here he had been doing all these great things. And, and how did they then kind of get along? How did they function? Because it was really about her taking care of you while you know, he was that's out working.
3: No, I think he was, they were taking, she was taking care of all of us.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, because even but, though dad's working... She was part of it. Cause fo- so what would happened was work. This is a work ethic, and I think that comes out of World War II, also. Is you know that that era, that age, those parents. Right. Um, when they came to L.A., they only had my older brother. So mom went to found a job at uh, Lockheed. He was working somewhere for a little while, then and he wasn't. And dad would take care of my older brother at home. But they worked hard. And once he started working calls would you would get your work by people would call the answering service the answering service would call you and said hey we got a job at such and such studio with so and so are you available and mom would take down that you know take it down and says yes he's available boom and that's what it was so she was in a sense home taking care of the family but also taking care of his business wow never questioned it you know because that was part of what we did as a family right um you know, someone said, "Was it hard for your father to be gone all that time when you you know, he's working in the studios, or whatever?" I don't know any different. You know, it's not like my father was home and then all of a sudden he's gone. Mm-hmm. Dad was just at work. Dad, you know, I didn't know any difference between my father being a musician or a plumber because he, ju- I knew he was a musician, but I didn't go see him play. Yeah. He didn't play an instrument at home. There was no reason to. He was working 12, 14 hours a day. He's not practicing. The last thing he did was ever turn on the radio. He never, you know, he came home, watched TV. I still remember trying to get good reception. Can you move the antenna? You know, yes. Yeah. And, um, and, but it never happened.
2: That's, that's an interesting take on all of this because it makes it personal to a time frame that we've lost today. You know, we've lost those kinds of musicians. We've lost musicianship insofar as not the talent, but how things are recorded, how people work together, and how we have to be... The Talent. top of your game, and exactly, you know, and, you know, people,
3: and people say, you know, and a lot of times I hear people going, you know, because of the demographic of the music, I hear, oh, they don't make music like they used to. I physically, they might not make music like they used to because they had they used to, you had one track, they went into multi tracks. Now there are no tracks because you could keep learning forever. Yeah. Um, but there is a John Lennon out there, a Paul McCartney, and a Brian Wilson, and Jimmy Webb. There are those writers and artists out there and musicianship is as best as it can ever be probably the problem not the problem two things you can't it's very difficult to find that amazing paul mccartney again because there's so much to choose from we live in a a, a world of abundance when it comes to choices
2: and no experts anymore in so far as there's so many.
3: there's so Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, and there's nothing wrong with it. We, 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 as Jimmy Webb said, he said, the problem, he said, is nowadays music is segregated. When I was growing up on the farm, he said, in Oklahoma, he said, I, we only had two stations to listen to. And on those two stations, you had maybe Motown, Sinatra, Ray Charles and a country song and whatever all together on the same station. So we were influenced by each other. Of our, or what was going on,
2: and you had to listen to it. You had, today. It. You had no choice. You don't have, you don't listen. People no. don't listen. If
3: I want to listen to country, I just listen to country. Mm-hmm. If I want to listen to rap, I just listen to rap.
2: Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, you know, when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about Carol Kay because she was featured in the film quite a bit, and yeah. you know, as the only woman technically of this group and yeah. someone who's so talented. And really standing out in her game all the right. way along. And really, I'd like to speak of her as very jolly. She was really jolly. She came across as just, really, she loves the vase. She loved what right. she did. She she enjoyed her life. And I'd like to hear more about what you what you have to say about that, because I think that's an important piece and speaks to a lot. I mean, today we have the Sheila Ease, We have the insiders like Kat Dyson and people. Who are guitar experts and, and right. amazing players and musicians in their own right and people don't know about them and they're very humble that's another yeah. thing I've seen musicians at that level are very humble yeah and quiet and well I you don't hear about them much but well, we'll be right back hold that thought we'll be right back with more making life brighter right here with denny Tudesco and the wrecking crew <laughs>
0: We're making it
4: easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive, Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health, Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype.
0: Opinions,
4: options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with medical intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com making life brighter the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment now back to the show with your host miss winifred adams
2: <laughs> listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and today we have special guest Denny Tedesco, who is the creator of the film The Wrecking Crew. And you can go to Film.com and check it out. You can go to iTunes and buy it or rent it. And this is a piece of history as I've been talking about, and we're having a wonderful discussion today with Denny about his history and his famous father, Tommy Tedesco, who was a guitar player and part of The Wrecking Crew group, which consisted of a number of very, very fine artists who played all Instrumentation on many of the hits that we Knew of and know of today And they really shaped the Musical framework of L.A. and turned it into the place Where music is made, even today And so we were talking in, uh, Last about Some of the people in the movie and some Of the players and um, so what's Happened to some of these people today like Carol And Hal and all these people, What, where are they well, What's going on?
3: Well, Hal um, Retired, went to In, the, uh, in Palm Desert Um, Unfortunately He took a fall A few months ago And he broke his arm You know But you know Hal's retirement It just You know Occasionally he'll play But he's not into it Because it's hard For a drummer It's a physical You know Thing And he'll just You know But he loves The accolades He's been receiving Over the years Um, there's nothing better than when, uh, who was it? Uh, Charlie Watts of the Stone said, I was so disappointed when I heard Hal Blaine was five of my favorite drummers, Uh. you know, and they've always loved, you know, Hal's the drummer's God, you know, the God of the drummers. Uh, Carol went into teaching, uh, Don Randy, um, is still, he was the owner of the baked potato. He is the owner of the baked potato. You know, he opened that jazz club in 1970. He's still occasionally working and recording. Joe Osborne's is still recording in Nashville, um, or Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. There's still, you know, and the folks that are still able to do it, they do it. You know, another, part of them. That's yeah. they are. Well, that was one of the things I asked all the folks. I said, you know, like Chuck Burgoffer, the great bass player, he's working more than ever, he said. You know, he's 78, you know, and um, I asked him, I said, what's music give to you guys at this age? And he says, they can't imagine not being with music. They, it's the reason why they wake up.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, um, I remember asking Bill Medley, um, how can you keep going out and singing You've Lost That Love and Feeling? You know, you've done it, all that, you know, and, you know, he says, at 72 years old, he says, I come out on stage, and I tell everybody, everybody here, let's Throw the seventy-year-old body out. and Let's put the twenty-five-year-old body on stage, <laughs> and that's it. how we all mentally get there. <laughs> and his audience. And as soon as you hear music, it brings you back to that point. Yeah. Um, I remember my father saying, in you know, a few years before his passing, and he said, you know, I'm mentally twenty-four, mm-hmm. physically not.
2: The heart doesn't age. No. The heart, especially yeah. if they're having that kind of thing. Their heart is not going to yeah. age. It's all about their whole persona and yeah. their their identification with this particular upliftment in the skill. And yeah. when you can combine those two together, I think you have pure joy.
3: Yeah. And, you know, and some people go into aging, you know, better than others. You know, it's how much joy you want to bring into it. Right. You know, you know, did you
2: find when you interviewed these people that they were joyful? Did you find yeah. that they were grateful for what happened to Absolutely.
3: them? Absolutely. Um, don't forget, they didn't know what people said, you know, they didn't know what they did, they were doing at the time. Yeah. You know, all they're doing is they're not recording hits, they're recording music. Yeah. You know, so they become that, those songs become hits months later, years later. So many times they were so busy they had no idea what they created or produced or recorded. And the only reason sometimes they knew is because they'd be paid for it later or a contract would come and say, Oh, I was on that. Oh, I didn't know that. You know.
2: How did they deal with not having. Been recognized. Oh, they Why were did- fine
3: with it. Absolutely. Because they, it wasn't like they weren't recognized. They were stars. They were stars among themselves. Uh-huh. I Meaning, not egotistically, but, you know, when you got Hal Blaine working with them, I'm working with Hal. I'm working with Earl or I'm working with Tommy. That's
2: kind of gratification if by it, the day. Like, you, if you're, the thing yeah, to do that to and have.
3: the artists, if they're rearranging their recording sessions just to get Tommy or Hal, um, that's when you know you've done it yeah. you know Don't get, it's not like my father wanted to be a rock and roller he wasn't but god he was getting paid to play guitar yeah that's just as cool. consistently school. consistently <laughs> you know and you know he played more music than any any band member don't yeah. forget he could be the Beatles or the Stones or the Beach Boys they're playing the same music every time my dad, don't forget, my dad went to work three or four times a day. He's given three or four songs a session, so he might be doing 12 different songs, recordings that day, and never see that piece of music again.
2: Who is his favorite artist?
3: Well, I think it's coming from where he was coming from, Sinatra. Because don't forget, he's an Italian kid from New York, and yeah. he's going, I'm working with Frank. You don't have to say his last name.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, Loved, he loved it? Sam Cooke I think he loves Sam like he worked with Marvin Gaye and Sam Cooke different times but he always loved Mar- uh, Sam Cooke's voice yeah. you know um, well, we, I'm what sorry what about like
2: the Stones and people like that How, he didn't really know he didn't
3: really care mm-hmm. and nothing and he was so busy he Martin, wasn't listening he was in it he was in it and it wasn't his cup of tea uh-huh. even the Beach Boys wasn't his cup of tea and he's recording for the Beach Boys because I and, you know I think my father, to be honest with you, he wasn't listening because most of the guys on the sessions could care less either way. But the magic is when Brian brought it together, right? Later, sometimes. So you're not. You're just hearing whatever ding, 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 ding. But also, he brings in good vibrations, and it's a whole different thing what you recorded. Like
2: Glenn Campbell in the film said, when I first heard it, yeah. Well, the, the moment I first heard yeah. the vibrations, I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. Wow.
3: You know, those are the things that, you know, you don't hear until later. And my father was impressed by their harmonies, not their musicianship, obviously. You know I mean? <laughs> and that's what yeah. he really said. He says, you know, harmonies, he thought they were great.
2: Well, it's appreciating their musicianship, too. Yeah, and absolutely. And bring to the table. Everybody has their part, and that's what, isn't that the American dream? That everybody achieves what they, they set out to do, but at the same time, from your father's era, if you could do it together, it meant more. Yeah. If you actually participated as a group instead of it look at me, just about me, like today is all about me, look at me, look yeah. at me. Yeah.
3: And I think what happens now is recording, um, for those musicians out there that know it, is, you know, there's no chance for um, mistakes to happen. There's no chance of influencing each other in a recording session because what you're laying down is the drum track, then you're laying the bass track, you're laying this down. It's a producer's world, in a sense. Right. And that producer's kind of, you know, Given the color everywhere, which is great, but what happened in those days? You had to be in the room together. So if Hal or Earl Palmer started going this way, and maybe Joe Osborne and or Carol follows suit, and everybody's doing their thing. Um, that can't happen if you're not in the room together. You know, so those those you know mistakes didn't happen. You know, where hey, what was that? Oh, I just messed up. No, I like it.
2: I wonder what would happen, or what happened for them. For example, when somebody was having a bad day, because really you had to be on. Yeah, sure, you always had to be on. Yeah,
3: um, it's funny that you said that. Um, there was a couple of questions recently. One was, um, someone said, "You know, how you know because of personalities, you know, how did they how did they get along so well?" I said, "Here's the thing." I said, "They might have pr- problems with each other." But they're not working with each other all day long. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean there, there's yeah. ten, twelve guys? There's fifteen, whatever it is. There might be four in a session, five. And
2: they're breaking but up. They're breaking up. Sessions. They're not yeah. with it.
3: you know. If you don't get along. I don't have to deal with him. He's not. I'm not. You know. I'm not. It's not like a band. Yeah. where you're four, four yeah. or five guys every day, same thing. No, you don't have that.
2: But that's what made this so unique. Is because they could step in with any group of people and Absolutely.
3: just oh god what was it Uh, I heard a great story you could use it or not one of the guys was saying um, dad never made a mistake he was always he was pretty good with you know boom you know it was very he was really uh, he was a great time and everything else and they're doing Dory Previn which is uh, Andre Previn's ex-wife and she has this big band there and all of a sudden he says your father just like the band comes crashing because of your father (laughs) And they looked at him like, Tommy, you all right? <laughs> yeah. And he goes he goes, um, yeah, he says, I'm sorry. He says, I was you know, usually he doesn't he doesn't listen to lyrics. He says, I don't usually hear lyrics and I started listening to the lyrics and he was just so moved by it and this and that because he should come out my divorce and this and that. And you know, I was just so i I'm sorry, and you know, I was just moved by it. I said, Well let's take a break, we'll come we we'll do it again. He said, Okay. So they all break, and he walks outside and says, Can you hear that bullshit on that? <laughs> Those lyrics <larynx> were awful! <laughs> and it was so funny. But it was so sorry. I mean, I was, I sure, hopefully I didn't, you could use that. But it was really funny, because it was like, um, they got along, they had fun. The yeah. stories of these guys.
2: It's, it's light-hearted camaraderie, and it comes through in what you showcased in this movie.
3: And they're as can be. Right. You know, work comes first, but...
2: Well, to relieve the pressure of that kind of focus, too. I mean, that people don't realize, unless you are in it trying to record music, what it actually takes. I mean, we download a song for 99 cents and think that's cool, but especially in what you're talking about in this movie, you can't make a mistake really I mean if I someone allowed that and that's what the session called for like Brian Wilson where okay guys let's try this let's try that yeah, let's yeah. see how yeah, it goes you have the
3: time and money and to do when you want
2: right but otherwise hey you're on uh, time is money and here yeah. we go yeah
3: and you know and uh, I'm, it's an, I find they're, they were a unique group I mean there's always unique groups afterwards but uh,
2: what's the most poignant part of this film for you
3: it's funny, the most poignant thing about the film is not so much what's in the film as watching the film with audiences around the world now uh. because when we made the film yeah, we knew what we were doing What we, thought, we were hoping we knew what we were doing but the reaction to it blew my mind because I realized it affected people in so many different ways in so many different cultures so many different ages that music meant so much to people And every song is a bookmark in someone's life. Every song means another about someone else's girlfriend, boyfriend, or husband, or child, or whatever. And I think that's what blew my mind.
2: We'll be right back with more. The Wrecking Crew and Denny Tedesco, right here. You can find it on iTunes worldwide at uh, thewreckingcrewfilm.com as well. So we'll be right back with more and Denny Tedesco. Stay tuned.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Making life brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health & Wellness channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams.
2: We're talking today with Denny Tedesco on Making Life Brighter Radio about the Wrecking Crew film. And tell us, Denny, why did it take so long to actually complete this project?
3: Well, like I said earlier, 96 dad was diagnosed with cancer and I quickly jumped into it and we started filming him. Uh, and his friends, Dad died in ninety seven, ninety eight. I started shopping this fourteen minute VHS tape around. Couldn't get anybody to help, and the reason they kept saying is, you need a lot of music to do this. And you know anybody I could talk to said, you'll never get this done because. Two reasons: the labels and the publishers will probably never come together with a hundred songs plus in it. You'll never be able to do it. And if you could get them to come together, an investor is never going to invest that much money because it's it's a music doc. You're never going to make that much. Then, then. Well, <laughs> yeah. even now, right? there's a question about it. Now, you know, everybody assumes oh they're going to make a lot of money. Well, music docs might only make a, if you're lucky a hundred thousand. That's a lot. Uh, yeah so with a
2: lot of work that goes in a lot of work and,
3: and we're not even talking about you know that's just music rights they said you'll never do it so basically we stuck it out with my wife and I we just kept going going someone said who were your angels I said well other than people that donated the other angels were Wells Fargo Visa MasterCard countrywide that was it I we just you know blew it we borrowed mm-hmm. and um We got to the point where we had to make a film We made the film in 2008 Cut it, did really well In all around the world You know, different festivals But I couldn't release it until I paid off That that money, or that The licensing for 110 songs Wow So once we did that, then it's like It took us years You know, we did it through donations And fundraisers and crowdfunding And once we got to that point Then we went with Magnolia Pictures. I said, would you guys be interested in seeing it again? And they they said, yeah. And that's led to a release. What a
2: blessing. Now, what about the music of all of this? Is there going to be music that
3: can be in about a month. Where actually we have a soundtrack.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So
3: we that's three CDs filled with uh, hits All and right. some interviews, and then the fourth CD we call it Crew Cuts, mm-hmm. which are uh, songs from their own guy their guys own albums. Fantastic.
2: So, Where can people find those?
3: BreakingCrewFilm.com. All right. It'll be there in about that'll be there in a month. But the the great thing is we found a release for this film. You know, the Magnolia said we'll do five theaters, maybe you know, around cities, and we got to 175. And then it and went it ar- keeps growing. Yeah, but. I just showed it in Mexico. I've showed it in, in London. It opened up there. It's around it's the world. going to be in
2: Scotland next week, right?
3: Is it? I think
2: in so. I think that says yeah. on your website that you're sh- showing in Scotland. I mean, it's Actually, gravity, right? Yeah, and you yeah. you can go onto the website wreckingcrewfilm.com and check out all the places that. it's showing maybe near you or you can create a showing, yeah?
3: Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I did. Um, I've been doing, like, you know, you know, house screenings. You know, if it's, you know, or... You know, charities. You know, obviously I can't keep doing it for free anymore or, or doing it for, you know, but I love showing this film.
2: What's your motivation behind continuing that much of a push? Because it must be time consuming. It well. is
3: time consuming, but there was, you know, there's two motivations. The one was always, you know, tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you asked. You what know, do you want
2: people to take away from that, I guess, is my no question?
3: To realize musicians, especially this period, music, any musician, they're working. They, you know, they deserve to be respected, but also paid. I mean, it's not just about that story, but, you know, they made a living. They put their kids through school. You know, they had families, just they had, like like all of us. Well, I was a musician's kid. But do you know what I mean? In people's, you know, the arts are something very special. And uh, I think people take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the DVD, uh, you know, when in uh, nineteen ninety in you know, two thousand six my editor, Claire Scanlon, said you gotta stop interviewing people. We can't put everybody in this. But we never stopped. You <laughs> That's know, I kept so. <laughs> yeah, I have six and a half hours on the D V D as outtakes. Yeah. So all those people that didn't make it, Bill you know, on the actual film, I got Bill Medley, Richard Carpenter, uh, Barry McGuire, Petula Clark, Jackie Chan, Shannon, they're all on the D V D.
2: And people can get that on the Wrecking
3: yeah. as well. I think I'm proudest I think that's what I'm, one of the most things I'm proud about, about this film, is the outtakes. Because people say, oh, you know, why can't I be in Well, you are going to be in As far as I'm concerned, the movie's a trailer for the DVD. Because I think everybody's voice can be heard. And you, know, and you never know what you're going to get. Leon Russell didn't come on until six months before we had our final He was cut.
2: fabulous, by the oh, way. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, was he,
3: just, he was hilarious.
2: In the film, he's a, a bit like a laid-back spark plug, if you will. He's oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that was the thing
3: about, you know, about Leon. Leon was honest. Yeah. You know? Leon didn't want to do this because his, he said, Oh, it's a bunch of BS, that Wrecking Crew thing. He was right. There is no maybe. There is no name, but it's not about that. It's about that time period. And once he understood what I was gonna, what I wanted to do, and his friends, you know, convinced him, he was fine. I had to go to Nashville, but he was so honest, and that's what I wanted: his honesty. Hey, it's not always love and cheer and great music, right? You know, Dad went to work. And he's, you asked about did he was he appreciated? He was appreciated among the others. Was did he want to be paid more? He said, No, I got paid very well. He said we made hundreds of hits, but we made thousands of bombs. Mm-hmm. I never gave anybody their twenty five dollars back. It was what he did. He went to work like everybody else. Did he have to enjoy the work? No. He didn't have to enjoy he loved working. He didn't have to love the song. You do your best. He said, I play for smiles. If the guy's smiling great if I think it's wrong it doesn't matter he's paying the bill you're not selling out you're 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 given a job to do yeah. you know it doesn't mean you always know what you're right
2: so what's next for you in this project because it sounds like you're current and invested in it both with the music coming out the DVD picking up steam yeah.
3: I just um, I just need to basically to the end of the year just really work it to make sure it gets out there of you know, Someone asked, "Are you gonna something else in the works?" Nothing at this point. I can't take my family and friends down this road again by self-financing, you know. And so I need to make sure, you know, as an artist or as a as a father, and you know, I have to make sure we get, you know, what we put into it out of it. So I need to make sure I do that.
2: Do you play? No. Do you wish you play? Yeah,
3: absolutely.
2: Do you wish you play with your dad?
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. If you could play, what would you play?
3: Um. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I really. I'm so envious of every musician friend. I'm envious of Ryan who's shooting this.
2: <laughs> he can play things
3: in, in. You know, I can't play anything. I can't get past yet. the third chord no, right. yet. Right. Yeah. Yet. And that's one of the things I'm always. That's why I finished the film because I quit every instrument. And I didn't want that to be on my shoulders, on my tombstone. He quit all of these things here, uh, you know, from guitar to saxophone, piano to accordion, uh, to this film. And I didn't want to be that part. You know, I wanted to finally finish something. And that's why I wasn't giving up. So when the film got to that point, we crossed that line of spending everything we had on it. What do we do? We got to finish it. Or we'll never know.
2: That's brilliant, really. You know,
3: and that was it. And then we got to that point of, okay, now what? The film got great reviews. Now what? Do we quit just because we can't find an outlet? Or do we take that one step further and figure a way to do it?
2: Well, it's also speaking to the fact that you did this for a purpose. You did it for a reason. No matter if one person saw it, ten people saw it. Exactly. You know, you you have to be honest to the project and to yourself in it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you asked about, uh, you know, some of the greatest... Moments Like when I remember doing 20 minutes at the Hall of Fame and showing just outtakes, not even outtakes, it was just a rough 30 minutes. And uh, Hal Blaine was with me and he had never seen it. And one of the reasons I didn't show it to him because I didn't want him, you know, to basically, what if he didn't like it? before the screening
2: Ah. we're going to hear more about that on the outtake on YouTube and you can go to makinglifebrighter.com on YouTube and check out the rest of this interview thank you so much for being here today I have one quick question what makes your life brighter?
3: Um, my children when they laugh
2: ah fabulous Denny Tedesco and the Wrecking Crew and the Wrecking Crew film and more on YouTube and you guys can check it out at makinglifebrighter.com and this has really been a pleasure thank you so much for being with us the Wrecking Crew everybody go buy it today
1: Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out.
0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.